0: Hey there, I'm John Hayes, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the Founders Trust Podcast. Today, we're discussing how founders can scale by automating the processes that eat up their daily schedule. I spoke with Dalil Allison, a co-founder of Rooks DM, a technology service provider that scales professional services firms through automated systems and processes. Dalil and I discussed the importance of creating and understanding your process for even the most simple of tasks, how simple automations can result in massive leverage of time and resources, and the unfortunate reality that not everything can actually be automated. As part of our conversation, Dalil also offers some great advice on how to streamline your customer onboarding process. So let's jump right in. Today's startup spotlight is brought to you by Savier. Savier takes a personalized approach to helping entrepreneurs create a clear path to growth through knowledge, coaching, and marketing services. Savier helps entrepreneurs and small business owners apply marketing to achieve their business goals. At Savier, our goal is to empower entrepreneurs to achieve marketing success. Check them out at Savier. That's savvy, dot com, today. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to have a good friend and colleague on today, Dalil Allison of RooksDM. Dalil, I know you're a busy man. I know you have a lot going on with the growth of your company. So, so excited to have you on today. And thanks for taking the time to join us.
1: Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Really looking forward to our conversation. So, let's hop right into it. You know, Dalil, you are the founder or co founder of Rooks DM. I know we connected through the Workbox community here in Chicago, but tell us a little bit more about your company, how you got started, and what you guys are working on right now.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yep. So I'm co-founder, CEO of Rooks DM. We do technology consulting and implementation. Um, so where we spend most of our time is working with small to medium-sized businesses, helping them get more efficient at the end of the day. Uh, so we take a, a macro view, if you will, looking at their organization as a whole, processes, and then trying to figure out where the technology can actually help them be more efficient, do things quicker, smarter, faster. Um or better at the end of the day. So that's where we spend a lot of our time and we're focused um, primarily in professional services, but we do have experience in multiple industries across the board as well from manufacturing to consulting um, to nonprofit as well.
0: yeah, I know, and that's I know your business has changed a little bit over the the last year or so since we we first connected. and I'm sure some of that as as been the case for many businesses as a result of, of COVID and maybe the impacts on your, your clients or your existing client base. So tell us a little bit more about that. How has your business changed over the last 12, 18 months? How have you had to evolve and adapt to the new reality of what some of the uh the services business looks like when it comes to to tech in a COVID environment.
1: Yeah, definitely. So being a startup there's always change, right? <laughs> of
0: course. <That's laughs> so the many only things, concept, right? <laughs>
1: If you can't deal with change, then I don't know. Yeah, you shouldn't be in a startup. Um, But we've had significant changes. And even when I first met you as well, John, too, um, we were focused uh, a little bit differently in terms of our offerings and stuff like that. Um, And to back back up a little bit. When I first started my company too, we initially started at off just doing like website projects. So that was a big focus was web design and development. We'd help clients do get their websites up and running, um, launch them and then provide some end user training. And then over the years, we kind of narrowed down our niche, which is what we're doing now and what we've worked at big, large companies for as well as like small um, to medium sized organizations, just helping them implement technology. Um, but for us, I would say in the last year, um, we've just been doubling down knowing that we're providing technology consulting is where our focus is. So coming in with these companies, strategizing with them to figure out, hey, how can you leverage technology to make your processes more efficient at the end of the day um, has been the big thing. And then the second one is always, I guess big change would probably be Technology is always changing. So just making sure that we're, we're up to date um, with not only the industry standards, but kind of the the technology that's always evolving, whether it be collaboration tools. Um, and as you can see, Zoom has exploded, right? Uh, we've always oh, been on sure. Zoom since day one, but c- keeping up with trends and stuff like that has been a big one for us as well, too.
0: I'd imagine that's one of the most exciting and challenging parts about being a technology services provider that you have all these great new tools that are coming up, but at the same time, it's a lot of work and a lot of effort to stay up to date with everything that's going on in the the changing ecosystem.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Much so. It's not as challenging as you think because... We live it all day and every day. (laughs) Um, So sometimes we can take uh, a lot of the things that we see over and over again and translate it into other um, kind of different types of technologies, right? So we know about CRMs is a big one or, or collaboration tools. So there's a lot of overlap. So... The Salesforce might be similar to HubSpot, even though the functionality and the use cases might be a little bit different. Some of the backend technology of how it's set up and certain functionalities are familiar across both platforms. Um, so that helps just having our level of technology knowledge to be able to apply that across any new ones. And then obviously, if things are changing, we are able to adapt to that as well by having that knowledge um, as fundamentals, if you will
0: certainly helps to be in the weeds on a 24-7, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> so, Dalil, as your company has grown, and you've, you've mentioned that you're starting to really niche down and focus in areas that you, you really want to specialize in, you feel like your company is particularly effective, that's a point that a lot of entrepreneurs reach, and it causes them issues, and that you're just getting your company. So, previous to this, you've gotten your company started, you're really looking to you know grow out your business development, you're looking to facilitate relationships. And now yep. you're at the point where you have to, to pivot a little bit in terms of your mindset to start focusing more on where your company is really effective and really efficient and really provides most value as possible. And that's difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs because they focus so much on growth that they'll take any project on or they'll take any new business in. But then they have, very, have a very hard time making that mental shift to focusing on all right, this is where we're really going to hone in on and kind of cut out the noise, not take every project that comes our way. (laughs) And that can be really difficult. So how have you approached that? And what are some of the ways that that has either been a challenge for you or or you've thought about making kind of that mental shift to really honing in on where your target customer uh, really is aligned with your business problem?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a, a good question. and It's definitely challenging when you're first getting started, unless you have a clear vision of like, hey, this is a company I'm going to build and be very specific on it. Uh, I think for me, I'm a little bit open in terms of, uh, of what I want to build. And I like to try new things. So that, that can be challenging, right? Because it's like, oh, this is exciting. Let me try that. Or hey, this is exciting. And yes, it might all fall under the umbrella of technology. Um, but they could be entirely different in regards to how you approach it, uh, how you how your day to day looks like, um, and stuff like that. One of the things that I heard, and I wish I could remember where I heard it um, was the the riches are in the niches. So I so I heard that statement before. And that kind of resonated with me. I think it was at a networking event that I went to and one of the presenters who was a successful business person had mentioned it not that was probably four, five, six years ago, Um, I heard it and it still resonates with me today. Um, And I think there's something to be said for that. And obviously, when you're first getting started. Um, and like I said, unless you have a clear vision of this is the type of company I wanna build, and this is my service offering, this is how I'm gonna roll it out, it could be easy. Um, but if you're like me uh, that likes to try new things or maybe not have a clear concrete straight, hey, this is the road, Um, then you're kind of figuring that out as you go and you learn by experience, right? So you do maybe in the early phases for us, for example, like I mentioned, we started off doing website design and development. And the reason for that is because, um, I was working for a company at the time, they didn't have a website. They also didn't have some technology items that related to like work orders and tracking projects, um, and getting those things set up. I helped them with all that. And I noticed that the website one was, it was very high impact. And also, I also noticed that a lot of people were willing to pay for that and it was top of mind. So you could always approach a client and say, hey, we do website design and development and they would get that, right? It's very clear, concise and to the point. Um, And so that's why we kind of went that route because we said, hey, it's something fun that we can work on and it involves technology. We're helping businesses make a difference, um, helping them be able to showcase their brand online and it has a high return on investment for them if done correctly that's how we started. So in the earlier days, we would take on uh, any project that related to, to web design development. And then as you're doing that, you start to get more traction and start to get referrals and you start to get um, either past clients, existing clients refer you business. And that's where you get like the momentum and traction. And I think at that point is when we realized, hey, we are, we can build websites, but it's not our, our specialty. Um, and it's not what we are really passionate about, nor are we extremely great at. <laughs> and so we had kind of a realization there, took a step back and said, hey, like, what is it that we're really good at? What do we like to do? And that's where we, we made it very clear of, hey, process automation is where we want to focus and then niching down even more. It's like, okay, which companies are, are heavy in process? All companies rely on them, but which ones must have an efficient process to make money. And that's where we kind of determine professional services, right? If you think about a law firm, for example, um, they get their revenue through billable hours. If you think about a financial services provider, the more hours they can spend working on a uh, with a client, um, the more uh, advantageous that is for their company and also the better service that they're providing to their clients to bring in more revenue and kind of get a better brand reputation. So that's how we kind of narrowed down. It was definitely... Um, trial and error, if you will, of starting with, hey, we enjoy doing technology and helping companies implement it. And then over time, as we started to see patterns and more projects come in, we were able to be a little bit more uh, picky, if you will, at the end of the day.
0: I think that's a great example of letting the market dictate some of the direction you take. And it's a careful balance between understanding what you're good at, what you want to be good at, or what types of projects you want to work on, and how the market is responding to the value prop or to the work that you're putting out there. And I think that's a tough balance for a lot of entrepreneurs because, again, they're trying to reach that critical threshold that you mentioned where past clients are giving them referrals, they've got a sustainable pipeline of new business, and they don't want to jeopardize that. But at the same time, maybe the work they're working on isn't really aligned with the ultimate direction they want to take or isn't aligned with their passions or maybe not a perfect alignment with their skill set either. So I think that's a terrific example for our listeners of how you let the market sort of dictate... The direction you're taking while keeping it aligned with what you really wanted to work on and what you really felt you were good at providing for your clients.
1: Yeah. And I think in the early stages, I, I would, in my personal opinion is be open, be open to saying yes, more than no in the early stages, because, and especially if you don't have, like I said, that clear vision, right? Because you're figuring things out. And even if you have a clear vision, I think it's, it, it, it might be a little bit advantageous to be a little bit more open-minded because you might learn new things through experiences. I always say like experience is the greatest teacher, right? So like you might try some, you might have this idea in your mind of, ooh, this is a really cool project that I want to work on. And theoretically you might work on it, right? And realize, hey, I actually really hate that. <laughs> <laughs> You know It's funny how
0: often that happens, right?
1: Yep. (laughs) So that's why I always say, if you could be a little bit open-minded, especially in the forefront, you'll be able to get the hands-on experience. And then you can start to iterate through that and say, Hey, you know what? I worked with this project. It was really great. And I like these things about it. And and that would be my second point too, is always be reflective on things that you're working on and where you're spending your time and kind of Look at it as like a learning experience of like, hey, I really didn't like this project. And instead of stopping there with that question, go further. Why did I like it? What didn't I like about it? What could I have done to avoid not liking these specific items? Because it might just be a portion of the project that you didn't like. And maybe you do like most of it, right? So then you might even look at it differently and say, hey, you know, 20% of the project or 30% of the project I didn't really enjoy, um, but the other 70, 80 70% I really love. So there's a good balance between that, right? So maybe not saying no to those projects because for the majority of it, you do like it. And there's obviously things you'll have to do that you don't like and it's figuring out what those things are at the end of the day.
0: I think that's a great point you touched on there because it seems like that's a lot of what you ultimately help clients with is finding those things that they don't wanna do or they don't have time to do or maybe don't have the right expertise to do and then implement tech solutions that allow them to do those things while focusing on their core services, products, taking care of their customers, Etc. in that ability to be self-reflective and understand what is it that I feel like I can and can't do realistically, and also what do I have time or passion for, um, comes up in every business, whether you're yep. a founder, whether you're just a, a manager at a larger organization, whatever it may be. So what are some of those areas that Rooks really helps companies automate? What are some of those things that maybe a business owner or a founder or a manager says, hey, I either I don't know how to do this. I feel like there's a better way to do this and we can implement something to really take this off of our team's plates and how are, what are some of the signs that people typically recognize when they then want to bring in someone like Rooks to help automate some of these things for them? What are some of those key indicators that it's time to put this into an, you know, an automation mode?
1: Yeah. Um, so, two two part question that sounded like so. The first, uh, I'll answer the second part first, which is what are some key indicators? Uh, that's essentially I don't have enough time in the day, or things are falling through the cracks uh, are usually like the biggest ones, or they feel overwhelmed. It's a feeling of overwhelming, especially if you're if you're just getting started as a as a solar practitioner. Maybe you have a co founder or something like that you're wearing multiple hats in the course of the day, right? And you might be doing HR, legal, finance, and then providing your service um, versus the other way around. So at that point, what you have to realize is what are the biggest priorities there? And maybe early on, um, and I'm a proponent of this too, is figuring out when you should start to think about automation. Because one of the things you don't want to do is automate a bad process. And when you're getting started, sometimes you don't have a process to find. Um, So that's why we always look at, okay, like, do you have a process in place for this? If yes, okay, where are the inefficiencies of it? And how do we make it better? Um, Versus saying, let's just start with automation, because that that will make us more efficient. And sometimes that's the case, because you might be trying to automate something that you don't have a clear understanding of where the automation pieces happen. Um, so that would be my, my first take there asking the question, does it even make sense to automate things or am I still too early on in my process to not have a well-defined one? Um, and if you're too early on, then maybe continue to like get the information and go through the process to build, uh, go through the experience of trying to build out your process. And then once you get to a point of like, Hey, I know a client comes in and these are the steps they go through. And then they go to the next phase in our company. Then that's where you want to start thinking about automation to say, okay, um, I get this ties to your second question, um, where we actually help. So like a good example is client intake. So, so you might run a marketing agency, for example, you have a client reach out to you, um, saying, Hey, I'm interested in purchasing your services. There's a series of steps that they have to go through. And what we would call that is, is the client intake process. Um, and if you are, if you have a process identified, then we can figure out where the automations will actually help elevate you to the second level. But if you don't have a process identified, it could be challenging to figure out, okay, where can we use automation to actually help you be more efficient at the end of the day?
0: At that point, it seems like trying to put a band-aid on something that needs stitches, right? Exactly. Great point you <laughs> make to Leo because I think a lot of times, and I'm speaking from my own experience and just in speaking with other entrepreneurs and, and business owners is the fact that they feel that making a process is such a time intensive activity that they don't want to spend time on it. And they almost look to put that band-aid on by saying, Oh, we can do automations or we can apply a tech solution. It'll it's kind of the the cure all pill to solve our issues in this area. But I think that's a really important point you make about you have to have a good process first, because otherwise the tech solution is just one more thorn in your side. It's one more exactly. thing to manage if the process isn't even sustainable.
1: Exactly. And that's why with all of our projects, we typically do our our deep dive technology assessment. That's where we come in. We essentially do an audit and then provide you with a strategy of what you should be automating. And in that deep dive, what we're focusing on primarily is asking your process questions. And the four main ones that we see across professional service companies are, I mentioned the client intake. So you get a new prospect, they reach out, they go through a series of steps before they actually sign on the dotted line and say, yes, I want to hire your law firm or hire you as a financial planner. Um, we look at that. The second one is customer onboarding. So now that they signed the contract, you have to bring them on board, collect documents, get payments and invoices. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> all the fun stuff. Uh, all the fun stuff. Um, and then they go into management mode, right? So that would be the the third step uh, or third process we always focus on is is the customer management. Now that they're they've come in, they've signed, filled and delivered, you're managing them, right? Maybe you need to do quarterly check ins, yearly check ins. Maybe there's follow ups. How does that process happen? And then the fourth process that we typically look at is like the offboarding. So maybe your time with them as a client has come to an end. Maybe the services that you provide, if you're doing like legal services, for example, right? Maybe you've completed the contract and the case is closed. Or if you're providing financial planning, um, maybe they decide to uh, go to another firm, or maybe you decide they're not a good fit for your firm. So there's an offboarding period there that you have to exchange documents, close out the file. That's another process you always want to look at. So for anyone listening, I would say, always those are key uh four key processes that we see across any professional service organization and any organization as a whole if you ask me
0: and it's funny you mention it because a lot of times that's where things slip through the cracks especially yep you've done all the work you've gotten a new prospect you're about to convert them into a client and it's that last yard to get them into the end zone to get them onboarded where things fall apart or maybe it's not officially managing them once you've gotten them into your client portfolio, and then you lose the business as a result because you're not developing the or not providing the high quality service that you need. So
1: totally exactly, understand
0: the, the value prop. What are some of the areas in which business owners or your clients push back or don't, maybe they have some trouble understanding the, the value of either the process or the value of um, making something automatic where they maybe feel a little overwhelmed with the technology? Are there certain areas where you really feel that business owners are uncomfortable and it takes a little bit of massaging to help them get comfortable with how this can actually benefit their business?
1: Yeah, so a lot of hard job is is education, right? Um, is letting them know, I call it the art of the possible. So what is possible? Uh, and a lot of the businesses that we work with, they're really good at their service that they provide. And And that's what they know. And so technology might fall a little bit out of outside of their wheelhouse, and they know, hey, I do need to have technology to en- help enable my business and continue to to make it successful. Um, so what we do to to not combat it, but to ease their mind is just, just to just be educational and having that dialogue with them. So the clients that we work with, we're always trying to partner with them and coming in as their strategic partner to say, hey, let's have a discussion around this. Um, What are the challenges you're facing? And let's give you some recommendations that might actually help you overcome that. And then more importantly, will help you see these changes through. And what I mean by that is providing like the training, the consulting, if they have questions they can lean on us and knowing that if something does come up instead of being frustrated or banging their head against the wall or being kind of left high and dry, we're always there trying to make sure that they have what they need uh, to implement it within their organization. And and training is a big part of that. Uh, And one of the items that I always say too is if you have a company, you have a team. So one of the things that we look for, who are the champions within your organization that will help you and your team adopt it, right? Because they're going to be using it day in and day out. And if you're the leader of an organization, sometimes you might not even be using some of the tools that the uh, people that are servicing the clients directly more um, on the day-to-day level are using. So how do you find the people to be able to not only, not only train them, but also have them be an advocate to say, Hey, this new automation, this new technology, the things that we've implemented are actually very beneficial because they'll listen to their peers right at the end of the day.
0: Those internal advocates are so key. And the the funny part is, is they may not always be the person who's making the purchasing decision from you. But at (laughs) the end of the day, you always have to have them on your side because they're either, when they're in prospect mode, they're either the person who's advocating for you internally to the ultimate decision maker. Or once you've already gotten that firm on board as a client, they're the person who really drives the, the machine forward to help you implement things. How have you gone about identifying some of those key advocates and what are some ways that you maybe really support them so that they help you ultimately implement the right solution or implement it in the right way for your, your client firm?
1: Yeah, so that's the big thing about the the partnership that I mentioned. So we come in and we, we let them know like, hey, we probably will interview um, people that are doing this day to day. So like, if you're a law firm, for example, we might go and interview or have a discussion, and it won't be exhaustive, but at least a 30 minute hour, depending on how much information we need discussion with your paralegal to say, hey, like tell tell me about your challenges what are you struggling with because then you can get the information from the source and really get to hear their pain points and then what we do is we consolidate that information and kind of look at what leadership has told us and bridge the two together right because sometimes and we've been on calls before where we have we'll have like the business owner and maybe like a a paralegal or uh, a junior associate on the phone. And they're like, yeah, I'm really struggling with this. And the owner might be like, hey, I didn't really realize that was a huge challenge. I'm glad you're bringing it up. Right. And so we can have those conversations and just help facilitate them. And sometimes I always say, too, when you're in it, um, it looks a little bit different than when you look out. From the outside in versus the inside out <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so so we provide that perspective too we look at it from the outside in versus being in it so much that you don't even see things uh, in the way that you would if you were out of the situation
0: absolutely and sometimes when you are at that owner level or founder level whatever it may be you're wearing so many different hats and managing so many different parts of the business it's just hard to be in the weeds on every single thing and you can't be so, I imagine that that's a big part of bridging some of those communication or understanding gaps within teams themselves is probably a big part of what we (laughs) do on a daily basis
1: exactly yeah so we do a lot of it with collaboration that's usually a huge challenge that people are seeing uh and now that everyone's remote right how do you collaborate you can't just walk up to someone's desk for the most part you have to either chat them call them send them an email so figuring out which communication channels to use for what and setting guidelines for that at the end of the day but also making sure people feel comfortable using them because if they're not using them then it's no good it's once again to the point of you don't want to automate something when you don't have a clearly defined thing on what it is that you're automating at the end
0: of the day Oh, for sure. And you've touched on the the training piece. And I think really that is what maybe makes the biggest difference at the end of the day in terms of both implementation, but also then having a client turn around and refer you to someone else's. They feel like they can trust you when they have a, a question at the 11th hour or when they really are struggling to find some part of the process that works for them. The thing with service providers is it's often difficult to do that sort of training or handholding for lack of a better term in a scalable way. That's not just mm-hmm. a lot of man hours and uh, you know very manual. How have you thought about that in terms of being able to scale that high level of customer service as you're growing your business and getting more clients and still wanna provide that really hands-on level of interaction and support for your clients? And maybe how have you thought how have you thought about helping some of your clients do that? Because especially mm-hmm. if they're professional services businesses, they have to do the exact same thing for their clients. So how have you kind of touched on that uh, tough aspect for a lot of services businesses and being able to scale that support through tech?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and it is one of the challenges because the way we do it right now is usually our the person that's assigned to the project will provide the training because they're mostly in, involved with it. Okay. Um, we we have been thinking about it as we continue to grow. So one of the options obviously is to do pre recorded trainings that outline specific systems and best practices. Because sometimes people just need the basics, right? Of like, hey, here are some best practices as it relates to teams or as it relates to your collaboration tool or maybe a practice management system. So that's one thing that we've been looking at. And actually, we compiled a a long list. We actually have it on our our website under the resources section. It's uh, a lot of links to Microsoft, right? So we've done some vetting, found it, some articles that are already out there. And we put it in this one pager to say like, hey, these are the different subsections. Here are some, some links that you can click on that will give you articles or videos for specific topics um so that's been one way the other way that we typically do it is we obviously try the one-to-many right so we have one of our resources to be able to provide training to multiple people um, at one time and we try to do it in a prepared manner so ahead of that um kind of group training we'll try to facilitate as many questions as possible from our from our team lead on the internal side of the company. So we might be working with like the COO, for example. So we'll work with them to say, Hey, we're providing a training on March 31st. Um, please reach out to your team members. Let us know what challenges that they're having and send those to us ahead of time so we can be better prepared. And we can also provide some demos on things to help overcome those challenges that they're having is one thing there. Um, and then obviously I, I've seen this in the past, but obviously if they want to provide, if they want to do like additional training it's maybe, having a dedicated resource to that. Um, So one of the things we've been looking at is that a specific team member that we staff full-time that is just dedicated to not only providing the training but creating training materials, creating resources or maybe gathering them and consolidating them into a centralized place. Um, We have been exploring that route as well too. But that's that's a good point and it is a challenge, right? Because when you're doing these implementations they are custom to the business more or less. And everyone's use case could be a little bit different. Maybe 80% of it is the same, but the 20% is different. And that 20% might be a big factor in how you provide the training as well too. So you, you do bring up a good point with that one.
0: It certainly seems like an interesting space in terms of how some new startups and new companies are trying to address this. And you see it through automated chatbots and everyone has a, a good or bad experience with either you know online support or call centers, whatever it may be. So It'll be interesting to see how some new technologies maybe emerge to address some of those things because I do think that there's certainly a lot of questions around it and a lot of people are trying to figure it out. I think the ways you outlined are terrific ways to approach it from a lot of different angles that are effective and still provide that trusting, high-level quality service to clients that they feel supported. Um, taking Pivoting for a little bit here, Dalil, into to, now that you guys have niched down and you really feel like you're in a position to pursue partnerships, scale quickly, how have you thought about your business development efforts at a more scalable level beyond just the referral level or beyond your own network? How have you thought about using tech or putting your own process in place to scale out your own business development efforts?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I've been spending a lot of time thinking about that and actually implementing it. (laughs) Um, and I don't know if this is for all startups, but for the majority that I've, like business owners that I've talked to, obviously like the CEO or the, the co-founders are, are the main people that are, are doing business development. Um, and then, like I said, it kind of goes back to defining the process. So the, in the early days, it was um, more networking and one-on-ones and getting referrals through clients. And we didn't really have a formal sales process baked out and defined versus now we do. Um, So one of the things I've been hyper focused on is kind of practicing what we preach. And I've actually been spending a lot of time on this is uh, streamlining and automating a lot of our sales processes, for example. Um, And what that does is now that we have a process defined, I can figure out, okay, what are the items that I'm doing manually that are a being repeated over and over again, um, but b that I don't really need to hire someone or get an additional resource to do it because it's so minuscule, or maybe just like, Low level, or it could be automated, um, more or less. And those are the things that I've been focusing on mainly is how can I get proposals and contracts out quicker, uh, and smarter. So the first thing there, that's, that's where we've been focusing. So a good example of that is, uh, we use Salesforce for our CRM. So automating. Um, so, and we use, uh, Panda doc is the, is the tool that we use for proposals and contracts. And what I've done is strategically think about, okay, if I do have a prospect, obviously they will be in Salesforce, but how can I, with a click of a button through a template, be able to say, Hey, John's interested in purchasing my services. I need to send him a contract. So I have a template built within Panda doc that is for specific contracts. Um, and then any like terms and conditions, which typically don't change from a legal standpoint, remain the same, and then I would update the contract to outline your specific needs in a specific section of the the template that I have created. So now that streamlines the whole process. So instead of having to go into Word, copy a file, download it, store it somewhere, um, upload it, make the changes, (laughs) I eliminate all that. And essentially I go into Salesforce, go to your record, click a button, fill out that specific section that's customized, click the button, send it to you, you receive the proposal, you see. You actually receive a proposal slash contract, um, it, you can provide signature and payment right then and there on the document. And once that is triggered, and I get a completion on that, I have another automation that automatically does a lot of things on the back end, it creates a team's channel, um, it creates an invoice, um, it, it creates you in the project in the time tracking tool. So there's a lot of things that we have automated to make My time spent on those activities lessen um, so I can use it more from a business development standpoint. Uh, And then the second part, I guess, is just thinking about how do I sell that's beyond me. Um, So you mentioned marketing. We've been, our business is mainly, I think, a lot of it's educational um, because a lot of the clients that we talk to always say, wow, I didn't know a company like yours exists. So that's why we're, <laughs> we're always out trying to talk to people and understand, hey, what are your frustrations? What are your challenges? Oh, we can actually help you with that. Let us show you the art of the possible. Let's talk about it and be able to walk you through that journey of making things a lot efficient at the end of the day. So what we're focused on now is just producing content from a marketing standpoint that's educational. How do you use Microsoft 365? How do you, for example, do scheduling automation through Calendly, Acuity, Microsoft Booking, how do you use these tools to make your lives easier? And just letting people know that they do have options and the technology can help them with those options at the end of the
0: day. No, that's terrific, Delilah. And we definitely need to talk because you were giving me heartburn <laughs> just thinking about downloading <laughs> proposals and revamping them. And oh man, that's uh, that's my... <laughs> uh, no, those are I, I've done things. it too. So <laughs> <laughs> Those are certainly the things that really do move the needle. It's those little execution steps. And I think a lot of times businesses think so much about the high level strategy and, oh, we need to roll out this product or this service. When a lot of times the things that move the needle from a a revenue and profitability perspective are just those little day-to-day execution steps that kind of get caught up in the weeds. And sometimes it takes two extra days to get a proposal out when it should just be that afternoon. And, And those are the kind of things that prospects and clients take note of and ultimately do affect whether someone signs with you or whether they... want to change the terms or just feel comfortable about their arrangement with you. And it's all about getting off on a good foot. And those things really do end up making a big difference with your prospects and clients at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And then even internally, you sometimes, and that's why I say the education piece is important for us because you don't realize it because you might be like, oh, I'm only spending an extra 10 minutes doing it because it doesn't feel long. But if you're doing it five times a week, you're, you're close an hour, right? Then it's 50 minutes. So we're always focused too on, what are the little things that add up over the course of the week? So what are you doing? That's taking you 30 minutes to do that could take you five minutes, right? Like and we can slash 25 minutes out of that and you get more time back in your day. So that's very important too.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's the stuff that really kills you. So when business owners at the end of the day think, oh man, I don't have time to do all this stuff. I'm, I got X, Y, and Z. I'm managing all these different departments. But it's a lot of those little things that are adding up each day or each week. And that's really where if you can find solutions to take some of those things off your plate and save, cut out some minutes, those are big and those really do add up. So, uh, yep, I'd say, you know, Dalil, over the next five years, in what areas do you really think that some of these tech solutions and automations are really going to start changing how we're doing some of these things on a daily basis? Obviously, with COVID, we've seen. Zoom and Calendly for virtual office hours and things of that nature, but what other areas of operations or business development, whatever it may be, do you really see some new solutions kind of changing the landscape of how people do these things on on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because um, obviously with automation, a lot of things have evolved. I think the biggest one, I know it's a hot topic is obviously like AI. So being able, AI and like machine learning, those are really hot topics right now. And even we were talking about market trust, right? And the the product that you have to be able to make decisions um, based off certain data that you have. I think that will continue to evolve, right? And we'll start to We'll continue to use machines and softwares and programs to, to make decisions quicker faster um, with the right data um, so i don't think that will ever go away and i always say too even with like a lot of the automations that we're doing some of the things can't be automated so to think about what won't be automated and looking at those specific items and then always asking the question hey is there any opportunity for automation sometimes the answer is no at the end of the day um, but i think it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> long-term how everything plays out from an automation standpoint and how organizations continue to adopt it
0: well we know you guys will be right on top of it because that's what you're doing on a day-to-day basis so whenever yes. a question you know i'm emailing you so i apologize if you <laughs> your inbox. but as well, so we move into our uh, our three question grand finale here we're about to start wrapping things up but first question what's been your favorite moment working on rooks so far
1: A lot of moments. (laughs) If I had to choose one, I think it's just the evolution. Um, So why it can be like frustrating and challenging at at the same time. I I think it's my favorite moment because you start here and you end up here and to see all the stuff that happens in between makes it super exciting. And then you look back and you're like, wow, like I went through all this journey and this evolution of like growth, change, adoption, uh, mindset shifts. And I think that has been uh, uh, my favorite thing looking back at it, being like, wow, I've covered a lot of ground uh, in the period that I've had rooks for. So,
0: Well, that's the perfect segue into my second question here, Dalil. In what ways do you personally think (laughs) that you've grown the most through this experience?
1: Uh, Personally, I think, um, yeah, that's a good one. It's just mindset. So as a business owner, There's two different things. So, as a business owner, I think you are responsible for the success of your business and pushing it forward. So, even if there's things that you don't want to do, you you have to do them, right? And you have to confront them, and you have to kind of address them. And I think the biggest thing with that is kind of working on your mindset at the end of the day. Um, And one of the things is as simple as like I always say, I we all are salespeople, whether we want to believe that or not. I was talking to actually a sales coach the other day, and he was like, "Man, you're a salesperson," (laughs) and so like. That's a mindset I have to kind of of shift to say like, hey, I, I am it, maybe I'm not like a salesperson by title or whatever it may be, but I have to sell to be, bring in revenue for my for my company. Um, and whether I like selling, I, it doesn't matter, right? I still have to do it at the end of the day. And kind of pushing through that and changing my mindset of saying like, uh, I'm probably not going to do that versus I have to do this in order to make sure the organization, make sure Rooks is going to be successful. Because if I don't, then things won't move forward. We won't get in revenue. We won't get in new projects or whatever the case might be. Right, I have to push through that uncomfortableness at the end of the day and just continue to grow personally there.
0: It seems like the job description for business owners gets bigger, <laughs> bigger on a daily basis as you start <laughs> thinking about new things you have to do for your company and to grow your organization and completely agree with you. Sometimes it's just a matter of putting your head down and grinding through the stuff that isn't necessarily your your most fun or, or interesting, but you just got to get it done. So yep. our last question here to Leo, before we conclude, what's the one thing that your company needs to take that next big step or reach that next big milestone? And it could be capital. It could be an introduction to a key hire connection to a strategic partner, whatever that may be, but what's your one ask that the founders trust community can help you reach to help grow your business?
1: Uh, yeah, so so partnerships is definitely one. So we've been spending a lot of our energy too, in terms of uh, strategic partnerships and strategic partners for us are, are good. Our uh, other technology companies, because technology is so broad, we do work that they don't do and vice versa. We have work that we get inquiries for that we don't kind of take on. Um, so spending time there. Uh, would be good. And then the second one, it's it's uh, finding good people. So we're constantly looking to grow our team. Uh, we do have, uh, if, if we don't have an immediate need now, we're always interested in talking to people, um, whether you're like a project manager. One of the, the things that we're looking for right now is um, a business slash systems analyst that's able to kind of gather some requirements, document some things and kind of help move projects forward. Um, so we're always looking to introductions to people in the tech space that would be good people to work with at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely, we'll know that it's so. You always need to have some people in your back pocket before you need to go make that hire because it's it is very difficult to find new, new good talented people to add to your team and make sure they are a cultural fit and aligned with what you're working on. So, absolutely, we're more than happy to help connect you with any partners that we may be available through our network. Final question before we let you go, Delio: What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they're looking for discussing potential projects with Rooks to help them with some automations?
1: Yeah. So if you, if you go to our website, that's probably the best place. You can actually book a a consultation if you'd like, or schedule a call with me. So it's rooks, r o o k s d m dot com is where you can find us. And then you can always check us out on LinkedIn as well too. Um, Or you can give me an ad on LinkedIn personally. The one thing I do always say is if you send me a LinkedIn request, make sure you put a note in there saying that you heard me on the market trust podcast, because I do not accept LinkedIn requests from people. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So that's one thing there.
0: You're a smart man, Dalil. I think I've accepted too many for people I don't know. And I find my inbox getting spammed with <laughs> many, many things that I'm not not aware of. So, well, Dalil, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to learn about your perspective on how to address processes that really move your business forward, how to think about tech that can take some of those things off your plate in a more automated way and ultimately just hearing about the success and growth of Rook's DM, We'll definitely be following your story. We'll definitely be promoting you guys. Really excited to have you on the podcast again in the future to talk about more tech topics. And thank you so much again for joining us today.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: So let me know what you think of today's episode. Comment on our social media or send us an email at FoundersTrustPodcast at MarketTrust.io. Now go get building.